What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. We are doing the damn thing live as of when you are watching this. But when you're hearing it, well, it's, it's not live, technically. So it's a weird world we live in. <laughs> this episode's guest is Frank Novinick, guitar player for Hatebreed, whose upcoming album, Weight of the False Self, is out November 27th via Nuclear Blast Records. Holy shit, is this a motherfucker of a record? I'll tell you what, man, I like, uh, you know, when I got my stream link, I listened to it and I was like, oh my God, did my brain just catch on fire? I mean, just it opened so hot. It doesn't waste any time at all. Like just, oh, it's like, it's like opening up a door, being ready to start smiling and say, hi, my name is, and then you just get bashed in the face with a sledgehammer. (laughs) And then for the next 30 minutes or however long, you end up getting bashed over and over and over and over again with said sledgehammer. Um, Hate breed's not exactly innovative, but um, they don't, they don't have to be that. They're, they're, they're. They're guys that are good at one thing, and they are career good at one thing. You know, but the, you, you kind of had said that when we did the the chat, uh, the live cast, our top five records, uh, you know, talking about this record at the time. And now we can talk about it a little bit more. And we talked about it in the Michael Stani episode as well. So, <clears throat> you know, we're here. We can talk about it. Um, I think there's definitely some stuff that Haybreed showcases on this one that's a little bit out of the realm of what they typically have done. I mean, look at that album closer. I mean... I was not expecting something that kind of epic. I mean, for them to do, what is it, almost a seven-minute song? Especially as an album closer? Like, I can't really think yeah. of them doing that on any of their discography. So the fact that they did, it, it was just kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, you know, the, the super shreddy uh, stuff uh, as well in there was uh, pretty... I honestly wasn't expecting that either. <laughs> like, there's some straight-up solid, like, classic thrash kind of leads on this i mean i sound like joe from discography discussion when i say that but i mean it's true like this is a i think joe's watching us live right now there he goes um but yeah no this this record actually is is everything that i wanted from a hatebreed record while also giving me things i didn't know i wanted from a hatebreed record and 25 years into the career like that's pretty fucking impressive if you ask me totally totally um, I think it's very impressive, and I enjoy the uh, I enjoy the ever living crap out of it. Like I I recently, when getting to sit down and listen to every single record, as I'm op as I'm opt to do, uh, <laughs> it's um, it really struck me, and I don't know if I even mentioned this in the episode that we did, but it really struck me that there really isn't a lot of consistency with music anymore. Like we are running into kind of a wall where like, I know I complain that all bands sound the same or whatever, but like only hate breed sounds like hate breed. Okay. That wasn't technically true back when hate be- hate breed first got popular because they were more, um, trying to find a really nice word here because I'm not trying to say anything bad about them. Um, cause I don't want to get my ass kicked. Uh, but it's definitely one of those, uh, they have a very, very... All I'm saying, long story short, I'm getting all flubbled up tonight. Um, long story short, what I'm trying to say is that this band is amazingly consistent. They are original. And they're at this point, they are the only destination for that sound. Yeah, it's... Uh you know, honestly, I, I was reminded that Terror, Terror's uh, Keepers of the Faith turned 10, uh, like, maybe a week or so ago, and coincidentally, I saw him on that tour opening for Hatebreed when they had Every Time I Die in, like, the best lineup I've ever seen for a show. Uh, I think John Port Cowboy yeah. was on it, and somebody else, I'm like, oh, I think This Is Hell was the opening band. Nice. So it was one of those where it's, like, everybody who is what they are and just kills it, like, so you're in... 
that tour was just such a motherfucker because i mean it was like from start to finish you were just getting your ass beaten and enjoying every single second of it from start to finish i remember hate breed shook confetti out of the rafters from the edm show that had played at the in the same room like the nighters two before so that tells you how loud and just thunderous uh that band is um more to the point though about the interview i mean we can just keep sucking the dick of this record and we probably would uh if i had a patreon where i could talk about a record just at length i, I probably would do that but dan's got me beat on that oh so. that's a good idea you hear that joe <laughs> but all that being said uh i really enjoyed doing this with frank and something i actually want to say uh not only for the live feed that we're doing but also for the podcast people who are listening if you listen to this part um Frank really went out of his way for this. Um, not only did he take the time to do this initially, but we had mad audio issues um, once we were done. Um, and he could have just been like, sorry, tough luck. Uh, I'm busy. But he was like, I think my phone was clipping. Um, let me grab my laptop. Let's do it again. And I was like, that would be greatly appreciated, but you don't have to. And he did. So not only do the, the chat you're hearing is the second one we did. Um and like I said, he didn't have to do that, and he did. And something that I told him after the fact that I speaks, I think speaks volumes to who Frank is as, as a person. Um, my wife and I went to go see Slipknot and Hatebreed uh, many years ago, and long and short of it, my wife got kicked out. And so subsequently, I followed her out as well during the first quarter of the Slipknot set, and I had never seen Slipknot at that point, still haven't. Um, and was one of those things Frank heard was walking behind us unbeknownst to us at the time and was like hey man like we know we got to this bar and he was like hey like couldn't help but overhear you sorry you know to hear this you know shitty thing happened um follow me on you know this form of social media real quick and uh give me your name and i'll make sure you and your wife are guest listed for tomorrow's show wow again he didn't have to do that the show was sold out already and it was an off date headlining headlining show but i think again speaks to the person that Frank is, uh, going above and beyond what he has to to make sure things are right, quote unquote. So that's a a story that I don't think I've ever I've I've told the story of getting kicked out of the show I think a couple of times in the podcast, but I've never told the ending of that story. Um, so once again, you know, once he came back on and basically gave me another thirty minutes to to chat, and I think it was a better one honestly because like we kind of had more of a rapport and just kind of knew what we're going to do. And I kind of abandoned the questions really, and just had a conversation, uh, which I know Dan always loves those more. I do. I love go. I love just going off the rails a little bit. So it was one of those things for me where, uh, it was greatly appreciated. I texted Amy, the publicist right away and was like, Hey, Frank's a sweetheart. He didn't have to do this, but he did. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful, uh, for it. So without further ado, um, let's get into my conversation with Frank from Hatebreed. We'll talk to you on the other side of it. <laughs> I'm talking again to Frank Novinick, guitarist of Hatebreed, whose upcoming album Weight of the False Self is coming out November 27th via Nuclear Nuclear Blast Records. See, I told you I fucked that up a lot. <laughs> Nuclear. Nuclear. It's like the family. Um, you know what I want to say? Uh, I Man, this fucking record is, is really good, and uh, I shouldn't be shocked to say that, I mean, given how strong the Concrete Confessional is. But it is shocking that a band 20-some-odd years into their career is able to somehow top themselves when I feel like so many 
so many people are just content to rest on their laurels, rest on the hits, and just know that that's going to be good enough to get people to to come to the shows, which is where basically bands make the most money anyway. Well, I mean, what does Gary Kane from Slayer say? He said, let's face it, we're living off our past catalog. And, you know, I guess that's somewhat true. I mean, fortunately, we've been around long enough and built a foundation and had success and, and have a career's worth of hits, if you will, um, that are going to be played every song um, throughout the set and um, and continue to build on it, you know, Um with the last record looking uh, down the barrel today is our highest streaming song. So add another one of those songs to the list of, of songs that are going to be staples from here out. So, um, but as far as new music is concerned, I feel like not everybody's been on board since satisfaction and perseverance. I feel at least to the, the, the newer fans we owe new music to, I mean, in the seventies and eighties bands were putting out a record once a year, sometimes twice a year. Um, yeah. So, so three times, you know, every three or four years, it's it's nice to have new music, you know, and and go out there and throw a couple new songs in the set and and get another hopeful hopefully you know conjure up a couple more bangers uh, for for the long term. You know, here's kind of a weird question, maybe, and I've asked it a few different times to some other bands that have gone on some of these anniversary tours, and the answer is usually never what I think it's going to be. But um, when you guys did satisfaction, basically on that twenty, is it twenty or twenty-five years? I can't remember off the top of my head. I should know. I want. I think it was twenty of satisfaction and fifteen of perseverance. I believe. Yeah. Okay, that's right. I just remember there being two different sets of numbers, but uh, you know, obviously, you guys spent a lot of time playing. You know, the satisfaction, pretty much all of it. I think there was maybe one or two songs you didn't play. Um, but is it a thing where maybe that kind of some of those riffs, some of the song ideas maybe informs or has you thinking a little bit more like that era of the band when going to write the new record at all? I mean, let's face it. We're not just out here having to make hardcore kids in the basement of America in the basements of America happy anymore. We've brought <laughs> the fan base has been brought into people that, you know, listen to bands like Slipknot if I figure that punch and we're the most extreme as they dabble. And there's still people that are, we're the most mainstream band that as far as they dabble because they listen to nails and, and napalm death and this stuff. So um, there's a fine line we have to walk to make the old fans happy, the new fans happy and hate breed happy. Um, and, and what you've got as a result, I think is the last two records and this one as well. Um, seem to be in that ballpark of that, of, of the direction that the band is in. So, you know, things aren't going to be the same. I mean, even bands like ACDC and Motorhead, who use that same formula throughout their whole career, the production changes, people's voices change. Yeah, the music's still the same and all that, but over time, it sounds different. You know what I mean? So you're, you're, you're all those things considered, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to to make everyone happy and ourselves happy, and 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 still be fresh. I think you're one of the few people that's actually admitted that you kind of have to be aware of the legacy of the band in sound and presentation, because there's those that have been around from the beginning. There's those that maybe came on in Perseverance or Supremacy or wherever. And you kind of have to walk this this fine line to appease everyone, especially yourselves, though. But it's not often you hear band people really admit that they're thinking of the fans, too. It's always, well, we do it for ourselves. And that's all if, from there. If people like it, then fucking cool. But if not, we don't care. 
I mean, I'm not trying to throw any Vans under the bus, but we're not Metallica. We don't sell billions of records. We're not We're not in the position to do that. You know what I mean? Sure, we want to make ourselves happy, and we're always going to do that. But, I mean, you have to keep people happy. You have to keep, keep a fan base, and you, and you want to do this for as long as you can. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, to me, it's ridiculous to not consider them i mean they're they're what makes a band you know they're the reason that we have this awesome life and continue to be able to do what we do um and you don't want to let them down either so you know that's another you know that those are other things to consider when when making an album at this you know this this late in the career 25 26 years or however long it's been now you know i think the interesting thing kind of thinking about the band's legacy is you know a lot has been made over the years of uh, I mean, you can just quickly Google Hatebreed and you'll see a lot of the, the turmoil the band has found themselves in, in name typically only because people can't do anything beyond look at the surface level of things. But is it, I know Jostin makes a lot of comments about, well, you know, we don't get these opportunities because of our name. Is that really still a thing or is that maybe the perception he has because he's had to overcome these things for so long being one of the sole, you know, original members uh, of the band going through all of this or do you still encounter a lot of negativity based on the name alone i don't know i think that the negativity is a lot of the bigger bands and promoters want to lump us in with the hardcore scene they did they feel that it's just still it, however many years later it is no matter how much we proved ourselves and and then you know they want to use the you know and, and i'm not saying we're not a hardcore band but i'm just saying that um you know i think that a lot of times, um, you know, it has that reputation where um, it's rowdy, you know, and, and you're playing a radio rock festival and they don't want that element there. They feel like it's going to be over the top, beating people up in the pit and all that stuff. So, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. And the name doesn't help either. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but it's anything but that. I mean, the band's proved itself or the band's, you know gone and, and and done through all the, the the um the mistakes that bands make growing up um and, and all that stuff you know and and matured throughout the years i mean it's not it's not uh it's 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 not hard to see that i mean uh anybody that follows the music scene or the heavy music scene or anything anything will tell you that um but sometimes you know um you know we we get you know a bad rap for for whatever reason it is i mean sometimes they just rather than wanting to deal with this or not they just use that as an excuse or whatever it is so and jamie deals with that stuff firsthand he's very involved in the decision making he's deep rooted in the music industry and obviously has a lot of things going on other than hate breed so he sees this stuff a lot you know um and sees it more than than the rest of the band members do just always interesting you know i was trying <laughs> this sounds really funny i was trying to figure out how to say your your last name and realize that either people just don't want to even try because every interview I found, it was like Frank from Hatebreed, Frank from Hatebreed. <laughs> so, but it was in doing that that I also found a bunch of articles still, you know, kind of talking about, you know, the old Victory era stuff and the problems that the band had back then. And, you know, just kind of the legacy the band had and, and wondering if it's still as big of a deal as it seems like Josta has made it on occasion. Because like you said, I feel like if anyone takes the time to listen to the music, it's always been about overcoming and positivity. I think the, the rise, no pun intended of the band has cemented its legacy as being a great hardcore band. One that tries to unify people and, and bring people up. I mean, even on the lyrics of, you know, the weight of the false self, look at the album cover, look at what, 
you know, looking down the barrel of today, even, or a lot of the songs that are the big anthems are about positivity and overcoming some of the worst shit that people can go through. And so to me, to think that you guys still as a band because of your name or what happened 20 some odd years ago still affects you is kind of preposterous at times to think of to me. Well, I mean, again, I mean, this is, you know, mostly most of this, you know, speaking about, you know, festivals and in, in America and things like that and whether they want us to be a part of we try, you know, we our thing is we always want to play with all different kinds of bands. You know, if there's one thing that we leave behind, it was that it's a band that tries to unify all the different music scenes because heavy music's heavy music any way you slice it. Like you can say, Oh, I don't like that band, they're not cool, or that's too that band's too popular for me, or I'm too underground, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, we just want to be known as a band that kind of like try to be universal and 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 just have it all blend together as heavy music because music saves lives and it saves a lot of people's lives. And if people want to hate on that, then you're a real jackass. You know what I mean? So um, that's really it at the end of the day. But sometimes, you know, people then people up and people higher up in the music industry, they don't pay attention to us enough to know that that's what it's about. So, um, you know, like you said, it's just surface stuff and the name and things like that. So. But um, I'm not complaining. Life's great, and um, the band's been around a long time, and we have new music coming out, and, and what else is there to say? <laughs> not a whole lot. I mean, this record is – my co-host and I, when we got it, we were actually doing the intros and so forth for our episode this uh, upcoming Sunday with uh, Michael from Dark Tranquility that we're posting. And, you know, we're talking about the Dark Tranquility record and how we like it, and it's a you know return to kind of all eras of that band. And then we just immediately were like – yeah, but that new Haybreed, holy shit. And then we started talking about that for like probably five, ten minutes. And I was like, yeah, we're not talking about Haybreed on this episode, so we need to like stop. But it was a thing, I think, and an attestment to how great this record is. And, you know, something that's kind of interesting about it to me is, you know, you kind of mentioned bands like ACDC. You mentioned, you know, a band like that where a lot of people are like, they don't change their sound. They sound exactly the same. You know what you're getting when you go buy an ACDC record. But I think sometimes if you actually listen to an ACDC record, and I'm going to say this applies to you as well in Hatebreed, it's not necessarily that you're doing something that's never been done, but it's about the subtleties and nuance that really create a record and a, and a sonic textures that go throughout. And I think this record guitar tone wise does a really good job of playing off of that because there's a couple of different songs, you know, I'm thinking of, um, Cling to Life, A Stroke of Red, and some of those songs kind of packed in the middle of the record that kind of have a more classic metal tone to it. And especially, you know, you get some of that with like the lead tones going on and so forth. And it's what I feel like kind of separates from just the chug, chug, chug kind of breakdown, you know, stuff that I think a lot of people know you for. And to me, I'm hearing a lot more nuance on the last couple of records than I've heard really on some of the other ones. So I don't know if that's something that you collectively are all trying to push the band in a couple of different sonic territories to to do that to kind of grow uh to kind of have that nuance or if it's just something that is happenstance and i'm just happening to notice it for the first couple of times on the last two records now well i mean wayne can play like there's no tomorrow um <laughs> way more than what calls for for the band so as far as soloing is concerned and all that stuff so um but also, you know, we have a bubble, you know, and we can, and we'll stretch that bubble, but we don't want to burst the bubble. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we'll push the walls and, and see and get those creative juices flowing. Um, but, you know, we're not going to burst the bubble and make a ballad. And, and we just 
we use other bands' mistakes that they've done along the way to kind of as a compass to, to know what we don't want to do. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, that's, as far as tone's concerned, we're real happy with the guitar tone on this. I mean, we're Gibson Marshall people at the end of the day. Hatebreed has that crushing guitar tone. That's what it's known for. And whether it's been, you know, emulated and duplicated throughout the years, um, if you're at a festival in Europe or something and there's five stages going at once and you hear some that tone from across the field, you don't even have to see the band from a distance. You'll know who it is by hearing it. It just it has that, you know, cranked mids and, and Marshall and Gibson. And, and that, that's what we grew up pretty much on. I'm kind of proud that we use that because I know a lot of bands will use a lot of bands use in heavy music, use ESP and stuff and or whatever they're getting for free or um, also. Um, but, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff we it, it, Gibson Marshall's been working forever, and if it's not broke, then then why try to fix it? I mean, these are the our heroes that we grew up watching play um, Kiss and ACDC, and and you know you just turn the thing up louder and the better it sounds. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think the the thing that's interesting, kind of speaking to the if it's not broke, don't fix it thing, is you know you guys worked with Zeus again on this record, and in essence, I feel like he's basically become like your George Martin. Um, and for those who don't know who that is, that's, you know, the producer for the Beatles. Um, what is it that he provides for you guys uh, that you keeps you guys going back? Because I feel like sometimes you hear people going like, oh, you know, like Metallica, you know, famously went away from Bob Rock because they're like, oh, we, we knew what that was going to be. And we wanted to try to push ourselves or do something different. And you, you hear those cliche kind of things be said quite often. And it to me, it's like the results speak for themselves. You keep going back to them. It, it's always, it sounds great. You guys have been able to change where you can. And I think he brings the best out in you. Well, Zeus is someone that grew up in the New England area and and has been in the scene just as long, if not, not longer than us. So he's been around and watched the band grow. And then he's obviously became in his own and in and, and producing and, and, and the bands watch him grow just as much. But, you know, he's worked with so many bands um now and it's just that he all that stuff consider he knows where the man has to go i mean just just as much as we do so it's nice to have somebody that that is on that same page like you said um he's awesome we just saw him at the you know we had a beer tasting uh in connecticut for our new beer that's coming out that we'll get into in a bit here but um you know he's awesome he's just a lot of fun to be around and you know he'll push and, and we'll push with him and and it's just a great relationship. Do you feel that maybe working with him makes the process of writing or recording, at least I should say, um, less stressful? Because, you know, you hear people who good. I think so. I mean, you know what you're getting. You know what you're going in. You know what you're going into. You know what I mean? I mean, if we, if we went with somebody completely different that doesn't know us or doesn't know anything about the band, then I'm sure it would work in the long run. But um, that's another big risk to take as well, you know, um, and a lot of bands are willing to take that risk. And, and for now, we're not, you know, uh, um, he's our guy and it's been great with him. So so why change things, um, especially when we're only doing this every four years or whatever it is. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're getting old. I'm going to be 49. By the time this thing airs, I'll be 49. So, um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And uh, it's 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 all good. And Zeus is awesome. And uh, it's just great to have him uh, on board again. You know, kind of talking about the beer that you, since you just mentioned it, you know, it's kind of interesting that a lot of bands are coming out with beers. I happen to have a handful uh, behind me of like the Deftones releases and so forth. And uh, I got to talk to Willie from Lamb of God about the non-alcoholic beer they had, which honestly, if you haven't tried it, it's shocking that it is not a real beer. Um, what, uh, 
how long had the, I was going to say brewing, how long has this idea been brewing, but <laughs> we'll see on the nose, but uh, how long has this idea been in the works to, to make your uh, hate breed beer? We had a little stint with another company not long ago, but it just kind of fizzled out and it, it was, didn't go where it needed to. And, and now we're involved with the right people and um, breed brew lager, um, live for this lager is, is up and going. It's witch doctor um, brewing in Connecticut and uh, it's a great brewery and, they're people who actually opened up this place and who are also big people from the music industry. They, you know, they're fans of the music and they've been around the scene. So it's kind of a, makes it a little bit easier of a collaboration, but um, it's been great. It's a German lager, which I love. I love lagers. I'm not a big IPA guy. So I'm kind of glad we went with this for now, anyhow, and we're going to let it grow. You know, um, at first it was just, we had the growlers, um, the 32 and 16 ounce, I think. And then um, it was on tap. And then now it's in, in cans, and we have these really cool-looking cans. Um, and it's just uh, we've done a couple events now, and everybody seems to enjoy it. And so we'll keep rolling with it. It's something to do now during the pandemic while there's nothing going on. So it's super nice to, to have that out there, and um, we're working on our details for shipping it domestically across the country and maybe internationally. We'll see. Um, but hopefully we'll once we do get to, to be able to be touring, we can obviously we'll want to have it at the shows. Um so it's it's been really cool. It really has. It's been cool just to I like beer anyway, and um, it's just great to have it. Um, like I said, I mean, with new music coming out and this also, it's kind of exciting to to have something going on. Considering there hasn't been much going on, you know, in ways of uh, music as far as bands and shows are concerned. You know, obviously, you've kind of made the comment that the band doesn't really, you know, puts out a record every four years or so. In this downtime, have you been writing like, you know, you, a lot of the band, I think, because of Josh's podcast and him having the uh, platform basically to just be out there more. You know, we don't hear from the rest of you guys as much. You know, he's obviously got the solo stuff. He does stuff, you know, writing for other musicians and so forth. Are you working on anything? Like, are you writing any stuff or playing out? Uh, not playing out, I guess, but doing no, anything? I, um as far as the band's concerned, no, I have a record store now that I'm involved with here in town, which uh, Gruff's Vinyl, um, give them a shout out. And I enjoy my time home doing uh, the things that I do when I'm not on tour, which include fishing and watching sports and going to the beach and hanging out at Disney World, and taking little trips and camping and stuff like that. But um, Jamie and Chris have always been the, the, the music writers of the band, always since day one. I mean, Sean, even when he was in the band, I think he wrote one song. So um, a lot of people thought that Sean wrote most of the music. And then when Wayne came in, not, it, it's, not the, it's, it's not the case. Um, it's been Jamie and Chris writing the music since day one. So those guys are, are doing things and collaborating when they're home. Um, when we're off tour, not a lot, but enough, you know, I mean, four years in between tours, you know, you, you, that is a little bit of time. So and there's always stuff in the vault too so as we like to call it um <laughs> laying around there's riffs that might need to be put into songs or reworked or whatever it is so um that's as far as the writing is concerned um that's really the process and it has been since day one yeah i just didn't know if maybe we'd see something like a like mark morton kind of thing where you're just like yeah you know i'm jamming some other shit on my own and just kind of getting some dudes together to kind of just bounce ideas off of it's not hate breed doesn't sound like hate breed because I mean, well, those that I mean, follow you on Instagram know that you're you are and have been in a lot of hardcore bands and stuff. But I mean, you're a big Kiss fan. Like you like a lot of classic rock. So maybe there's that side of you you haven't gotten to showcase yet. Well, I mean, as far as music goes, I mean, variety. I, I probably of anybody in the band, I listen to the most you know widest variety of stuff probably. Um, but and there's always time or there's always opportunities to do those sort of things. But I just enjoy the other things that aren't music related when I'm home. 
Um, and that eats up enough of my time. You know, um, I love to cook. I do all the cooking in my house. And it's something I thought I was going to be doing for a living when I was a kid, because being a rock star, even at a young age, you know that it's a one in a million thing. So, and here I am playing in the bands and cooking when I, when I get a chance. So I enjoy that as well. But I mean, that eats up a lot of time. Um, so, you know, my time at home doing the things that I want to do, um, there's, there's just enough of it. Now, obviously this, it's been a year now since we played because we, we quit before way before the pandemic because, you know, the record had been out for so long and we were on the very end of the album cycle. Now, had we known what was coming in March <laughs> or whatever, we probably would have squeezed out a couple more tours, but it's officially been a year since we've done shows. So um, I've had a lot more time to do those things that I enjoy doing when I'm at home as well. So I guess that's a fun question. Obviously in your travels, uh, you're getting to try different types of cuisines and so forth. What, uh, what is something that you have found or discovered on tour or touring that you've brought back to like, you know, home, home cooked meals that you make at home? That's a good question. I feel like hot chicken has swept the nation now. Um, and that's <laughs> a Nashville thing. And those have popped up in, in certain places. I haven't really taken a stab at that because that's unlike like chicken wings and stuff. You're, you're pulling the, the chicken out of the fryer and, and putting, putting it in sauce. And, and with the, with the, with the Nashville hot stuff, you're, you're, you're cooking the, the hot sauce and the oil. I'm not trying to make that big of a mess in the kitchen, but I have got, <laughs> I've got a, a big green egg recently. So if you know what mm. those are, they're oh, yeah. ceramic eggs, and they pretty much bake and cook and grill, and, and, and you could do all that stuff on there. So I've really done a lot of stuff on there, um, you know, from cooking a pizza at 700 degrees for seven minutes to a pork <laughs> butt for 14 hours out there. So, mm. um you know, those are the kinds of things I'm getting into and enjoying. But um, it's certainly nice to be able to have this life where we are able to travel all over the world and um, try all this delicious cuisine, you know. Yeah, I think the one that still is frustrating to me because, like, I've worked in authentic Mexican restaurants. I've worked, you know, in other places. But the one that still just trips me up that I just can't seemingly nail down is Chinese food. Like, just the oils and the like soy sauces and stuff to get your noodles cooked and the way that they do everything just still fucks me up. I can't can't seemingly get it. Yeah, it's it's you got to do it quick because it's it's high heat usually, and and uh, once it's too late, it's too late. <laughs> oh yeah, you can fuck it up real fast, <laughs> which is pretty much what I've done. <laughs> Keep but, trying. Keep trying. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the things that cooking kind of teaches you. I think is uh, to play around with different things. I mean, it was kind of the funny thing. One of your old tour mates, uh, Amigo the Devil, uh, I got to talk to Danny a while ago, and once I found out he basically went to culinary school and was a brewmaster, I was like, oh well, that's kind of the end I'm going to go with and kind of talk about how you know he found music writing and so forth because kind of one in the same like you grab certain ingredients you know that these things are going to work but maybe you try to bring in something new and, and kind of change the recipe up a little bit and see what kind of comes out of it and same with beer making too to a degree because i mean in my travels around the u.s at least uh, i have done lots of drinking and found that you know some states that claim to have the best beer i'm like no you just made a stout you made a porter and it's good, but I feel like I'm spoiled here in Michigan where you have people who make like bubblegum beer or, you know, having founders, you know, 10 minutes from my house and stuff like that. It's like I'm spoiled with the flavors and stuff that they come out with. And, you know, it, it kind of makes you appreciate what you have and some of the fun things that you can do with some of these things. So I feel so, like it's the same with cooking. No, I, and, and founders is great. And I, I agree with you 100%, but I got to ask. So because I'm not a hometown, I, I'm originally, even though I'm Florida Frank, I'm originally from Cleveland, but mm -hmm. I being a Michigan person, I got to ask about the Atlanta hat. So I, so very much sort of like you, I'm originally from Delaware um, and then moved out here. So 
uh, I was really big on Deion Sanders initially when I first started getting into sports. And at the time, he played for both Atlanta teams and uh, really spurned my interest in football and baseball and really liked him, stuck with the Braves, just so happened the Braves were good at the time and fell in love with the team. I mean, how can you not? You got Glavin, Maddox, you know, great pitching, great hitters, David Justice, you know, Terry Pendleton, so many great players. And it was one of those things where, you know, then when they kind of started being on the outs and we started getting Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, like a lot of these other players, you had pieces that felt like it was going to be, you know, a great run. And then basically we ran into that New York dynasty that just chopped everyone down. And, you know, it's, it's had some rough years, but... Uh, like any team that you stick with, uh, they, this is really other than Michigan football. It's the only team that I've stuck with, you know, diehard uh, in sports basketball. I just I like certain players, but I just like watching basketball. Same with football. I like watching NFL. It doesn't matter really who's playing. I can find enjoyment in it. But man, I was really hoping I even told Amy when setting this up, I was like, we might have to push this back because the Braves make the World Series. Uh, I have a friend that lives like 20 minutes from the stadium and I was going to fucking go. Because go, yeah, haven't been, and it would be cool to see that Arlington Stadium looks really fucking cool. I know you like to go to different stadiums, but that the new Texas Stadium looks really good. Yeah, it's wild looking. It's really tall and crazy. It almost reminds me of where the Seahawks play. Yeah, I was hoping to go to Safeco when we went out to Seattle, but that didn't pan out. But I did get to go see the second to last game at the TED, and it was really cool, just kind of being in that stadium where that like all that you know history is. And uh, I think since we were in the second to last game, I think Tom Smoltz did one of the numbers where they pull off like the, you know, how many games are left in the season of that, that year. Um, but then went to the new, well, it was SunTrust. Now I think it's like Truist Park or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been to a stadium that new because I think we went the second year it was out. And it was just wild to see how they built like a whole community around the stadium where it's like you have the condos or whatever out in right field, a music venue, restaurants and all that stuff. They have like a sort of like you see basketball has been doing where they have like that lawn where they have the giant screen. So you can watch the games outside the stadium and all of that. And it was just, it was really cool um, to to see that new stadium and they had their own beer, which was kind of fucking cool. Oh, it's great. So a lot of cool things. I uh, I love getting to travel and go see sports uh, when I can, when that becomes a thing we can do again. But right. yeah, um, kind of in wrapping up, just because I feel like we kind of have hit on a lot of different stuff. Uh, maybe, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I know you were talking about cooking. I know you have a hot sauce and uh, obviously the band's got a beer. Josta has got pasta and, you know, all these other things. Is it kind of interesting to be in a time and age where you – I'm not saying you necessarily are focused on this, but where everyone kind of is a brand now and you have to kind of think about yourself in such a way at times. Well, I've always been a hot sauce guy. I mean, fried chicken is my favorite food, no matter whether it's traditional Southern fried chicken or wings or whatever it is. So I kind of feel like I would have ended up having my own hot sauce if I wasn't in a band or I was just, you know, just a, a normal nine to five or whatever the case may be. Although I'd probably be sitting around cases of it because nobody would want to buy it. But um, (laughs) I kind of feel like I would have ended up with that anyway. So I'm the hot sauce guy in the band anyway. So it makes sense that I, you know, I've been talking about this for a long time, but it was a matter of finding somebody who wanted to do my own, not a band one and somebody who could come up with the artwork I wanted. And and Craig Hollowell, um, Holloway, I'm sorry, not really knocked it out of the park with the artwork. And he's done some stuff for Agnostic Front on their record covers and whatnot. But um, as far as that cartoony look, um, 
he really knocked our work out of the park. And, and Kyle at Hella Hot Hot Sauce did a fantastic job. Um, I'm really not a fan of a lot of the other sauces that they make. So I thought when he sent the samples, we were going to be going back and forth. And I was going to be like, <laughs> oh, sorry, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, this has got to be changed. This has got to be changed. It showed up and it tasted phenomenal. It had that smoky chipotle flavor. He used the vinegar. But the problem was it's pretty damn hot. And I was like, I might have to tell him to tone it down. But then I was like, I don't want Hapri fans to get this and be like, oh, that's pussy, <laughs> pussy shit. You know, I'll use this for saline solution for my contacts. This is nothing, you know, whatever it is. So I just I just left it how it was and, and started shipping it. And I was thinking people were going to be like, it's too hot or too hot. Everybody loves it. We can't keep it stocked. By the time it's sold, I don't even have it. And it, we've gone through two batches very fast. And now he's doing another kitchen um he kind of fled from the the, the fires because he's in northern california and um he's trying to get back uh up and running out there so i'm waiting on the third batch and it's been great i already have ideas for my second sauce i want to do so we'll let this one ride for a while and it's been awesome i love it and it couldn't have came out any better so you know here's maybe a weird kind of a last question to end it on you know, obviously, you know, a handful of band people have their own hot sauces. I think most notably Michael Anthony with his Mad Mad Mike's, you know, hot sauce, whatever brand that he has. Are there people maybe because of it going through a, a more reputable hot sauce brand who don't even know you necessarily until maybe they buy your hot sauce thinking like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to buy some and then find out like, oh, it's this dude that's in this band. I'm going to go check that out. Has it created another lane for people to find out about Hatebreed that you didn't necessarily envision? Um, I think uh, in a few instances it has because there's, you know, he's got it in stores up there and we have it in some stores down here. Um, and, and people that are fans of the band have been buying it and cases of it and stuff and, and turning it on to people they know that loves hot sauce that might not necessarily know about Hatebreed. So I hope so more than anything, really. You know what I mean? I just want to have, it's cool to save your own. It's a bragging. <laughs> room, so really. I'm not trying to make money off it. And there's not, there's not really a lot of money to be made off of it after it's been shipped and sent to me and all that stuff. So, um, but if, if it can, you know, create a interest in, 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 in the band and contribute even minorly to the longevity and, and us to continue to do this as long as we, as long as we can, um, then, then so be it. That would be great. Yeah, that would be. I uh, I'll have to get some of that. I was hoping to get the beer, but I don't. Amy didn't necessarily. I don't know. If, maybe it's on its way to me. I have no idea. But I was hoping to get some and have some with you while we were chatting. But PBR and some Gatorade will have to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it, it will be, and we're making that happen. We know everybody's dying to try it and, and have it, and just even collect a can for the people that don't drink. Um, but um, you know, we're, we're working on that, and, and stay tuned, everybody. We're going to get it distributed out there, and. You know, obviously the new record's coming out here on, on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And, um, you know, we have a new single that just, just just dropped as well. So there's a lot going on in Hatebreed World, even though we're not able to play shows. And hopefully we're able to kick this touring machine back up at the end of March like we're supposed to in Europe. And and uh, hopefully stuff will be semi-normal again. So we'll keep it up with Cross and trying to stay positive. And lastly, where can everyone find you or the band or anything else you would like to plug? Uh, you know, the Hatebreed Instagram, Florida Frank Instagram, you know, um, or, or Twitter. We're all on there. Frank Three Gun, three gun on Twitter. I'm Florida Frank on, on Facebook. Obviously, everybody's easy to find on social media these days. Um, and the van is pretty um, approachable and, and um, you know, uh, try to be pretty, um, you know, communicate with everybody pretty good as much as we can um, and answer questions and, and have fun and, and those kind of things as well. So. Um, we're, we're hoping to do uh, an event up in Connecticut uh, around the record release again at the Witch Doctor Brewing Place. 
that makes the beer, which we've done the last two beer events. It have been really fun. We had Sean, our old guitar player, come out and DJ, and I was able to get up there, and the whole band was there. So um, that's a thing if people want to travel and check that out. Um, otherwise, um, we'll just stay tuned uh, for, for, for the new record and um, on Nuclear Blast Records, Way to the Fall Self. And uh, that's it. I appreciate the time and the interview. Yeah, thank you. And uh, hopefully your Tampa Bay Rays uh, pull out a second title for you in, in a month. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, they, we've only been in the World Series one other time in 2008, and it was against the Phillies, and it didn't, yep. end, it didn't end well. Um, we'll see, you know, by the time this, this it'll be a lot further. By the time that, you know, we'll see. We're, it's 1-1 now, so, but uh, I feel like I'm pretty pretty uh, confident with Morton pitching, and, but Kershaw was just nasty in game one. Nothing. Hey, you know what? You got a better showing out of him than than we got because I I was that was the only one I was like oh, I don't know how this is gonna go and he kind of didn't pitch terribly but he didn't do great either he was kind of normal Kershaw in the playoffs as oh, the last man. few years he was lights out against us unfortunately so we dropped yeah. game one but we came back in game two snow was awesome I hope Morton's gonna be great and, and we'll see what happens so it's been a good year for sports the Lakers won the championship and my my Gators are on hiatus with with uh with the covid for two weeks and and uh yeah this is the first weekend michigan will play so yeah i saw that and the broncos they're they're kind of injured and stuff and kevin harvick's doing well and then that's 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 what i'm doing here on the weekends i got the the three tvs cooking at once in here and in the kiss cave if you will and uh you know that takes a lot of my going. Time. <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's it takes up a lot of my time when i'm home so if i wasn't doing this i would try to be out at some of the things um i was yeah. able to go to the daytona 500 in the, in the night race so that was cool. It's nice to see even a, a quarter capacity to be able to see people um, at the games and stuff like that. We uh, going forward, we don't know. Maybe we could see a quarter capacity at, at concerts and things like that. I, I I don't know how it worked with a, a band like Hatebreed where you, you, you give sweat and blood at the shows and jump on top of each other. But maybe for some of the other uh, mellower bands or the, the 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 softer you know hard bands, if you will, um, they could come up with some kind of way to have concerts. I don't know. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Frank from Hatebreed. Again, their upcoming record, Way to the False Self, is out November 27th via Nuclear Blast Records. Still plenty of time to pre-order that record. Get the vinyl. There are so many variants. Uh, a lot of limited ones, too. Uh, typically under 300 or, or less, uh, depending on where you go. Uh, I think I have one of the Bone uh, va- variants that I pre-ordered for this. So very much looking forward to adding this to my uh, very small hate breed vinyl collection, but that's how good this record is. It's, I mean, I got it for free before everybody else. And then I was like, and I need to give them my money now. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to pony up. uh, Once I, once I get some money, Uh, I'm going to keep digging in my backyard for buried treasure uh, (laughs) until I find something really good. Uh, Just play this record and all the things should just shift their way up. (laughs) It'd be really yeah 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 just just come from the earth. It's like wow, underneath my shed I found a I found an actual treasure chest and in it was a vinyl copy of Satisfaction is the Death of Desire. I don't I don't know what happened. I mean I have one of those. <laughs> of course you do. I'll trade I'll trade you your corn record for it. <laughs> yeah, no one of my friends actually was getting rid of a bunch of his vinyl for his wedding and uh, that's how I picked up a copy of thirty seven fifty. And uh, Satisfaction. Uh, so it was really nice to uh, get some of those older hardcore records that I grew up on way back in the day. And uh, I felt good because I, I didn't have to buy a wedding gift because I contributed technically to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, kind of in uh, wrapping up, um, 
because we're actually going to actually do our live thing that we typically do on Wednesdays. Uh, we have Brandon Kellum from American Standards coming to join us. I have to pretend to hate him just for the sake of that. You know, I always pretend to hate him uh, on all the podcasts over on Discography Discussion. Absolutely. Just cheap shots. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, the heel, the heel baby face gimmick. I was just going to sit back with some popcorn and watch you guys go at it like angry cats that have just been soaked with water. Well, I mean, Brandon's obviously soaked in something. I mean, you can't call your band after a toilet and not assume that people are just going to, you know, go there. That's why you'll always be number two. <laughs> hey, number two. But uh, all that is sorry, that was a scrubs joke. <laughs> yeah. All that aside, if you would like to keep up with Hatebreed, it's real simple. Facebook, Hatebreed. Instagram, Hatebreed Official. Twitter, Hatebreed. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Frank, uh, Instagram at Florida Frank. Twitter at Frank Three Gun. I uh, would love to have that dude back on uh, again. It was really easy talking to him. And if you know anything about his career, he is basically a hardcore legend, has played with some of the best hardcore bands, uh, including Terror at one point. Um, but just a, a great dude. Uh, really bummed that his Tampa Bay Rays did not pull off the win against the Dodgers. Fuck the Dodgers. Um, but hey, at least they made a, a series of it. Almost pushed it to a Game 7. And uh, well, we still have college football left. Uh, I really want to start a sports podcast with like metal dudes. Uh, with not with not me. Yeah, Yeah. no. Cool. Like, I mean, well, I mean, I don't think you really follow sports. <laughs> I, I've been I've been guilty of following a baseball game here and there. Yeah. But that's that's about the extent of it, really. Yeah. But uh, I tweeted out actually the other day about uh, something I was going to send to James from 18 Visions about the Bears because he's a Chicago fan. And I was like, fuck it. We should just uh, we should just have a sports podcast, you know, where I have James and or, you know, Frank or any of the other people I know that are into sports that are in in bands. And I think that'd be a lot of fun because typically they don't have avenues really to talk about these things. And when they do, you just see like the your favorite metal people talking about baseball or football and you're like i want more of that at least i do and uh dan will tell you where he can be found on some stuff uh on the interwebs we're uh, adding yeah you know uh, oh hey it's brandon kellum oh you guys are gonna just fight like cats i can't wait i gotta go make pop some popcorn for that but uh yeah <clears throat> i was gonna tell everybody where i could be found well uh i can be found on facebook under daniel terry uh on twitter at discuss metal dan uh, I can be found right here on Twitch uh, as Discuss Metal Dan. Um, so you probably already know that if you're watching this on Twitch, uh, I would hope. And uh, you can find my other 10,000 podcasts uh, at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, it's simple. BruceSpeakPod.com. Landing page for everything. Uh, we made some news. We have that uh, section on there. If you want to buy some stuff, that's cool. You can do that. And uh, mainly, the big thing to do, go support our sponsors, uh, which we will start with uh, the Bean Bastard. Someone actually stole their fucking laptop from their brick and mortar they just opened, so fuck that person. And hopefully somebody knows who that cat woman looking person is. I'd have gone for the coffee if it was me. We're not sure. Well, they're not sure. I'm still jury's out, too. If it was a man or a woman, the jacket's interesting and the only telling piece that they could identify the person by. But uh, fuck that person. Do some good. Uh, go support the Bean Bastard. Go to thebeanbastard.com. Pick up some coffee. Uh, on Point Palmade. I actually have some right here, and I finally put it in my hair. Um fucking holds really well on point use our code bsp15 save 15 percent off your total purchase order get your beard and hair looking on points want to thank them and last but not least rockabilia.com what a great fucking sponsor we were supposed to actually have frankie on tonight uh some something came up he wasn't able to do it but i know we are going to get him on very soon love those guys and uh if you want awesome merch and you don't want to be worried about, you know, it falling apart or fading away after two washes. 
You don't have to with them. It's 100% officially licensed. So that means the bands are actually getting a cut of money, which Brandon will tell you when we go to our live feed how much that actually means to, to bands. Yeah, so you're supporting everybody in that situation, including us, Rockabilia, the bands. It's a win-win-win. And who doesn't like winning three times over? I know I do. It's called a trifecta, I think, in a track or something like that. I don't know. I don't gamble. I call it the Charlie Sheen. And uh, last but not least, uh, you can use our code BREW15 to save 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks so much to Rockabilia, On Point Palmade, and the Bean Bastard Coffee. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time. Or if you're watching the livecast, you'll see us right fucking now. Yeah, we're just going to keep talking.